Welcome to The Deeper Dive. It's a ministry of Bethel Church, where we go deeper into some aspect of the previous week's message. I'm here with the normal crew, uh, three pastors from Bethel Church and myself. Good to see you guys today. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Dave. All right. Hey, um, so before we get going on this, what's the coolest thing that's happened to you guys this week? This calendar week or the past seven days? uh, we We can go the last seven days. How about that? Coolest thing that's happened to you guys as pastors, or as pastors. people, as people. Um, yeah, we did some baptisms yesterday in Prosser. Nice. That was great. Mm-hmm. Definitely should have spoken before you did. That's going to trump whatever else. I can pa- I can pretend like I didn't say it. There you go. That's good. <laughs> that's too late now. Three people got baptized in Prosser. is great. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. That man. really is great. Yeah. Good Out of Rooted. So. Nice. They had experiences in Rooted. One person gave their life to Jesus in Rooted. Mm-hmm. Praise the Amen. Lord. That's awesome. That's what, gosh, I mean, that's cool. So, I, mean, I could do that all day. Yeah. All week, all year. Man, that's great. What about you guys? Coolest thing has happened in the last week or so? I mean, I think for me, it was just Sunday listening to our local outreach team just share what they have going on, uh, how God's opening some cool roads into different schools in our community and the chance to serve some people and love on them well. Uh, yeah. It's just cool watching God. Open up doors and turn people's hearts to to get to work. Yeah, hmm. I'm always so bad at these questions. Um, had a cool, interesting conversation with someone after church on Sunday about their faith. I'm not sure. Didn't have a chance to ask how long um, he's been a believer, but in that conversation, over the last couple of weeks, we had about who gets to sit at God's table and how do you get a seat at God's table. He said he's had a number of conversations with friends who are with an Islamic background and a Mormon background. And he's just asking like, how do you have those conversations with people about who sits at the table? And when they clearly think that we sit at the table with them, like how do you have that conversation? And so it was just, it was neat. Like, it's just a cool reminder that there are in our church every single day of the week, the bodies out living in the world. And many of them are having good, hard conversations, but mm-hmm. also eternally important conversations. Okay. So that's, cool. like, that's actually a nice segue. Brooks, you mentioned I could do the Jesus thing. Every day, baptizing people in the name of Jesus every day. You just mentioned a little bit of uh, the different, almost like the different views on on Jesus. Mm-hmm. I remember I'd, I'd only been a Christian for a while, moved to the Tri-Cities, moved back to the Tri-Cities. And um, I used to, I, I won't say what group this is, but there there's a group that I would regularly do battle with theologically. And a lot of it had to do with the person of Jesus himself. Mm. Is that, you know, like who Jesus is? Is that really that important to really nail who Jesus is? Is it is it that crucial? Hmm. I, I would I would yes. hope most yeah, of our answer would be yeah. uh, would, would be yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, both, both theologically in terms of orthodoxy as well as like knowing him personally, mm-hmm. it's got to cut both ways. It's not just information, but also like personal knowledge. Most of the time, the relational piece probably comes first. I mean, for. I'll speak anecdotally for myself. I knew Jesus relationally long before I understood or even knew the questions to ask about who he was. Mm-hmm. Like I, I knew him as my savior because he died on the cross for me. And I knew that he was the son of God, but some of the intricacies of what that means and why we believe that that came later. Um, but I think you need, you need both. And it's very important. 
because sometimes you might believe something about Jesus that's not true. So there was something in the moment you believed that led you into a relationship with him. But over the coming years, there was like an unfolding, mm-hmm. a, a revealing of, of who he really was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think just an understanding or an ability to ask the right questions that I didn't, they weren't in my mind. Like, well, why did Jesus have to be God and man, right? Well, we talked about this last week. As a young kid, I didn't understand like why. I, I believed it when I heard it, but I didn't think to ask the questions, why is it important? Mm-hmm. And is it absolutely necessary for me to believe mm-hmm. how the, the church global has talked about that over the last 2,000 years? But in time, those things became interesting and not just interesting, but they started to weigh on me. I wanted, I wanted yeah. to know like the why behind what I'd always believed. Okay. So you mentioned some of the, the global attempts. So what are some of the attempts that have been made to really determine who Jesus is? If it's really that crucial, what is what what have spiritual leaders done throughout history is it to really determine who he is? Mm-hmm. You see it coming right out of the pages of Scripture, right? We uh, the, the text we were just looking at in First John this Sunday, uh, primarily written, if not solely written, because there's a heresy about Jesus. And John, no. who actually knows Jesus, is like, "Yep, yeah, like actually, we that matters, right? Mm-hmm. Right away." <laughs> Instantly, we got we got to debunk some of these myths about who Jesus is. That is a crucial church yeah. uh, doctrine that we need to hold on to and fight for. Well, and so for First John, the at least what people think probably is behind is a heresy, but probably Gnosticism, yeah, Docetism. Probably. One of the like not that those are always this distinct, but like or maybe both, right? Or maybe both. Yeah, be, like, yeah. Some of the asceticism could be some of the Serenthus stuff. Like you don't know, but in your opinion, why is like. Like, like, unpack that a little bit. Like, what for John? Like, what's at stake? Uh, because there's uh, again, we don't know the exact background, so some of this we're speculating, even though it seems clearly rooted in Gnosticism, which would take you know full growth later. But they were questioning Jesus's divinity was at least part of it. Um, where like one primary view was that uh, Jesus was just a man, and like the divinity part like kind of came to him maybe at his baptism or something like that. But he's not he's not born fully man. And fully God at the same time, like because they they would believe like okay, spiritual things good, physical things evil, and and so that's where the idea came out of. Well, then, well, Jesus can't be evil, so we need the divine stuff to be just spiritual and not like fully man. Whereas like John just goes like straight into it and just saying like, but for those of us who knew him, mm-hmm. like we would deny that from our own witnessing account. And of course, for John, he, he keeps going like throughout the entire book about the certainty we can have of that, the certainty it leads to that we can have fellowship with one another, the certainty we can have fellowship with God. Um, and like, how do we actually know that we are believers and that we are saved? Like it, it all yeah. stems from that first thought of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I I think this is what you're saying. The docetism or the docetics, right? Isn't it that this idea that God or that Jesus is God, but he only appears to be man. Like there's this, uh, whether it's an apparition or something that he's not truly fleshly, but it appears that he is. Yeah. So my, the one I was giving was the Serenthus view, which oh, was okay. where he's a man. And then like the God part comes at his baptism. Right. Yeah. The other, yeah. The other way to look at it is he looks like a man, but he's faking it for your benefit. Right. <laughs> he's not actually fully man. Right. And even like the cross is, it's an appearance. It's not it's, truly. He's faking it. Yeah. The God man being a true flesh and blood human being. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there so that is a deal breaker, right? There are certain certain things that are truly deal breakers. There's a, and there's a lot of things about our faith that are not deal breakers. So there are there other heresies in addition to the one that you guys are talking about, the Gnosticism, the asceticism, where Jesus is just 
seemed to have a body, but apparently didn't. What What are some of the other heresies that are truly deal breakers? Well, here's 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 a big one that I think. Because I don't know, I just don't I don't see I don't know a lot of Gnostics. Do you guys like that? Doesn't come up a lot. Um, or if they do, you don't know it. It's like uh, maybe different forms of it. Not like truly like I'm a Gnostic, uh, but maybe Gnostic. Gnostic ideas. Okay, I was going to go somewhere, but I don't no, 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 go, go no, no. there, go there. What would be like the Gnostic view of the day? Um, I think sometimes in, in Christianity, and I think this is like loosely based on Jesus, but like, I think it gets to him is like Christianity is, it is like, like faith is wholly spiritual. Mm. Kind of the devaluing of the fleshly. Yeah. Or the, I guess it's true. Or the opposite side where like we have to be extremely ascetic and. That could be there too in some people's lives. Well, when the Gnostics wouldn't aren't they the ones who would might major more on like uh, like knowledge? Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's it's all about knowledge. Right. It's having this higher knowledge, it's bringing up like this place you... of yeah of, of almost godlike status through the ascent of the mind and experience, but not like through flesh and blood. And I just think I think there are different ways in Christianity now that we we downplay physicality, mm-hmm. and I think it's a form of it. And I do wonder like if you were to push that back. Like if, if in those circles, if they truly believe that Jesus was as fleshly as he was, it's like, you can start to kind of poke and see how, how people think about Jesus. Like, did Jesus have a human body? Yes. Did Jesus, was he hungry ever? Yes. Did Jesus have body, bodily ailments like we did? Yes. Um, to go down the line and sometimes people will stop and be like, nah, Jesus couldn't have done that. Right. It's like, why not? He's human. Okay. So anyway, but well, where, where were you going to go? Point taken. Point taken. <laughs> no, I, 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 yeah, I, I lose that round. But what I was going to say <laughs> ding, ding, was ding, ding. Arianism. Yeah, right. Uh, which we wouldn't call it Arianism today, but that's the belief that Jesus is created, but he's the first of all creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so thus he can be used as an instrument to create the world yeah. and all of these other things. So he's really close to God, yeah. but he's still a created being and not fully God. And that's actually... Still very much around today, whether you're a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon, right. like those beliefs are still very much around. That, like, yeah, he, I think one of, oh, pardon me. I was going to say, like, the way he worded it, I think, was there was a time when Jesus was not. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. like Arius's. Yeah, I think uh, one of the Mormon, one of the LDS uh, theologians had a saying, it sounds really cool until you listen to it and you're like, oh my gosh, what? And it's this, it's that, it's that idea of as, as man is, God once was, mm-hmm. and as God is, man can become. Yeah, it gets to the idea that that, that man can become deity, man can become God, mm. like uh, divine. Mm. Okay, so a lot of a lot of these heresies are still floating around out there. They come out in different forms. Um, they manifest themselves in different ways, but it's they a lot of these stem from the same man, the same struggles we've had with who Jesus is for centuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even in the early church, in the in the early maybe. Uh, Jewish Christian communities, they had to come to terms with the reality that the God who claimed, who is one, is now observably more than one. Well, he's, he is three. Mm-hmm. The God who is, you know, one God in three persons. And so they had to wrestle through some of that, and the early church did as well. And what's what's fascinating about those early debates about Jesus is so many of them are lodged, some in philosophy, but a lot of it is in the scripture. And they're debating over certain texts and understandings of how you, mm-hmm. like how you how you parse this out in a true way. So it's not like you had, sometimes there are people that were just, they're like, you know, wolves trying to come in and tear apart Christianity, but some of them were just trying to be faithful to the scripture and it's, it's new. And so they're trying to wrestle through it. And 
Um, not that you want to land where those people landed, but like the debates they had were helpful to get to where we are now. Well, Matthew, you quoted the Nicene Creed, didn't you, last week? Yeah, uh, and just, I mean, didn't take it like a really deep look at it, but just some of the history there where that was Arianism was a, was a big deal, threatened to split the church. But there's some faithful guys, guys like Athanasius is one of them. Mm-hmm. By the way, you talk about the honest fight for it, man. Like that, that was a guy who's actually like excommunicated multiple times mm-hmm. <laughs> for believing the right thing. But stuck with the truth, kept turning people back to scripture, and so when, you know, for the Nicene Council, like they're they're bringing church leaders all across the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. But by the way, what what year, more or less, is this? Do you remember? It's three three twenty five, I think. Okay, wow. Well, well, there's a couple yeah. different. The council met over a series of years, mm-hmm. but I want to say it was three. But when they landed on the final creed, there. Yeah, I want to say. That's what the internet's for. Yeah, yeah. thank you, Google. 325. 325? Oh, no, you nailed it, man. Whew. Good job. Yeah. Uh, that was way more precise than what I was going to get. And then it, it was amended <laughs> later in Constantinople in um, 381. So why did you bring the Nicene Creed into your message, Matthew? Uh, because that was the debate that they were having was uh, really like, who is Jesus? Could he be that one who was created? Or does that somehow lessen him? Is he fully God, fully man? Mm-hmm. And to, to us, sometimes I think like on this side of history, if we're like kind of insular in our evangelical bubble, we're like, who, who would question that? Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. <laughs> uh, yet the church to, to come around and, and, and come to the truth of what scripture says about who Jesus is. So a lot of the creed, I mean, it contains a lot of just it's amazing. a lot of great theology or the summary of orthodox theology about who Jesus is, but it specifically centers around this idea that we got to make sure that we're explicit, that if we're Christians, we believe Jesus is fully God as well as fully man. Yeah. Has to be explicit. Yeah, I mean, part of that was even wrapped up in how Jesus was conceived yep. in Mary. Like some of the debate around like was was Mary just like a um like a portal where like the divine passes through the human but doesn't actually become human, or did Jesus actually yep. take up residence in Mary for nine months and become fully man? But they debate about that, right? Like then they came up with that Jesus is um, or that, that Mary is like the mother of God, that she actually gives birth to Jesus Christ, who is God himself. Yeah, can, can mm-hmm. I, I'll just read a couple. I don't, I don't want to read the whole thing, but just a few lines. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. And then there's the part about that you were saying to for uh, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man. And then it goes on from there. Yeah. So like they, they almost overly spell it out because they're yeah. like, we're not going to go backwards on this debate. Right. Uh, so like we're going to over clarify God mm-hmm. of God, light of light, <laughs> very God of very God be God, not made. Like it just hammers out that truth. Yeah. And so, so no, go, no, go, no, go. Okay, so some people might be listening to this. Go, okay, well, that sounds like Sunday school. That sounds like uh, you know, you're 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 you know, you're you're wrestling with like you know how many angels can dance on the head of a pin, this sort of thing. And yet, really, our belief about who Christ is um, called it a game changer earlier. But not only that, doesn't it actually affect the way we behave? Doesn't it affect our ethics? Doesn't it affect our faith, mm. our, our our daily life? How does it how does it do that? Well, you know, there's theological components of that that then will spill into practical truth. So a a part of that, right, is like 
which scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death, right? That's the penalty that we need to pay. There needs to be a sacrifice for our sins. Uh, Hebrew, uh, the book of Hebrews makes it even clear, like, but can the, can the blood of bulls and goats really do that? No. Like, it has to be a human to represent us, so he has to be fully human, or we don't have a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Now, furthermore, he has to be a perfect human, because if he's not perfect, then he's just dying the penalty that he deserves, just like every one of us. And then he also has to be God so that his sacrifice can cover all sins for all time. So, like, if you lose that doctrine, you lose what is good news. Mm -hmm. Or the way John puts it, he says, we have fellowship, like this connection that we have with God, Mm -hmm. because we are reconciled to him through that sacrifice. Well, if Jesus isn't fully God and man, like, you don't have that. And if we don't have that, we don't have that with each other either. If you understand that, it can actually help you have a clean conscience. Because you you understand how Jesus is his uniqueness and his his ability then to be the perfect sacrifice right. for us, and we can lean back on that. And when our you know we're, we're we're plagued by guilt and shame and that sort of thing, we go back to the uniqueness of Christ and his sacrifice, mm-hmm. and it just helps us to live better. I, yeah, I think another layer too is by understanding that Jesus is is man, then we we see the value of humanity in the eyes of God, his willingness to attach himself to us. I mean, the fact that Jesus, this is another thing that I don't know that all Christians totally believe or know, like Jesus is still fully God and fully man, even in his glorified body. And he will Mm. always be man. So the eternal God who was never confined by anything like right (laughs) skin and blood, Jesus out of his love for his creation becomes man for eternity now. Mm -hmm. And so if Jesus, if God and the father and the son and the spirit love humanity then, then I think it, it changes the way we view ourselves and the way we view humanity around us that our heart needs to be for, for people who are also flesh and blood and not be Gnostics, right? God cares about people. And on the other side, like because Jesus is not just man, but he's God, he does that so he can bring <laughs> us back to the Father, right? He can actually bear the weight of sin and he brings us into life with God. And so it also, I think, pushes us to say like we're actually supposed to aim our life toward the divine, toward God, and to become like him and to pursue him and to, to want to become like him in every way. So under even understanding Jesus in both of his, his, um, his God and his man nature, like it helps us, I think, live better as well and yeah. see people the way we're supposed to see them. And, you know, Hebrews talks about, you know, it says at one point, you know, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Yeah. Once you start understanding this, right, just, just at least get a glimpse into the fact that Jesus truly is the God man. He is, as you guys have been, in this whole series, he is high and low. He is the lion and the lamb. I mean, it just it, talk about elevating your your worship, mm. right? Toward understanding, man, who um, the sacrifice that Christ made not only on this earth, but to limit himself to a human body to come down. And this is 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 absolutely stunning. Yeah, yeah. I think it also on what you were saying, Adam. I think it magnifies our our um understanding of the imago day mm. um the fact the fact that god be- entered into his own creation is sh- should be mind boggling for us um that he he wasn't yeah that he, he that he was begotten and not made god cares about his creation he cares about his he cares about the crown of his creation which is humans um distinct from any other part of creation so much so that he entered into he, he became, became one he, he became one um the uncreated god 
yes. became created than Jesus, which is just crazy. It's just cra- and it it, sh- it should change. It should give other people. It should increase our um, uh, the dignity that we find in other people. Um, it should increase how we how we care for other people. The, if if God cares about creation that much or humans that much, mm-hmm. and gosh, we we need to take a step towards towards that as well mm-hmm. in that same direction. Um, yeah, the incarnation, man. You, you can sit and ponder this oh, for for, long for a long time. Yeah. Okay, this is, this is horrible, but I'll see if I can say this in a good way. <laughs> so, in some of the comedians I've kind of listened to recently, they are tapping into some of this and bringing out the uh, about how difficult it is to believe a lot of this. Hmm. Right. So they're bringing it out in a humorous way. Right. You listen to this, you're like, ah, okay, that's kind of funny. But at the same time, they're really questioning the divinity of Christ. That, when you say some of this, are you talking about this biblical doctrine? Yeah, just about? this whole, this whole thing, right? Of of who Christ is, you know, the virgin birth, um, you know, God becoming a man, and it is pretty outrageous. You know, you start listening to some of these some of these people talk, and you're like, that truly, they're right. This this is like an outrageous thing, and yet this these are some of the very things that we believe. Mm. I wonder if it's becoming. Is it becoming harder and harder to a hold to these truths and b communicate them to our culture today? Maybe like in our span of years, it's becoming more difficult than it was 10, 20, 50 years ago. But from what I understand of the first century and, and even before that, the different philosophies and religions around the world, I don't think it's any more difficult today than it was then. I think every generation, every century has its own apologetics it has to do with with the world around it to try to to make legible what the gospel is mm. because it's always going to be over and against human philosophy and understanding of how the world works and what's plausible and what's not plausible so i man i don't know i, I think you can turn it on just all the things that we want to believe in as modern human beings like the weight we put in technology and even science to answer every question or the fact that we are obsessed with stories about semi-divine beings saving the world like mm. it, it you know we can make fun of it or people can make Aliens fun of it but it's entering like here yeah, and, yeah you're totally entertained and like we'll be caught up in certain understandings of things that are bizarre as well it's right. not just christianity that's got the bizarre sort of for sure crazy elements to it would you agree with this that historically christianity has encouraged people to lean into the difficult parts of belief the things that are difficult to understand like the like the nicene council or the council of nicaea right they and that wasn't just a it wasn't just lay people coming together they're church leaders but the fact that and, it, and the councils like that have happened throughout history and maybe to a lesser degree of the importance of it um but church church leaders have gathered together to talk about we still do this talk about difficult things we think of denominational meetings and things like that but historically, do you think that Christianity has encouraged people to lean into difficult um, the, the the difficult things to believe in faith, rather than just put brush them aside and say, "Yeah, just don't think about that." If you think about it too long, it might not make sense to you. So just brush it under the rug and don't think about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't know across like all of church history how that's been. I think in more recent church history, I think there there there's been probably a, a maybe a sense of defensiveness where like things are getting questions. It's like, just be quiet and believe, like just mm-hmm, believe it's, right. it's just blind faith. Like, and, and not encouraging people to like really wrestle with those questions. And I know that's been off putting for 
some people have stepped out of the faith. They felt mm-hmm. like they, they've expressed like to back to Christians. Like we felt like we were not able to ask questions in church mm-hmm. and uh, absolutely. We need to take a hard look in the mirror on that and say, are we not only allowing, but encouraging people to ask questions, have doubts, because we're confident in what truth is. Yeah. So I feel like when approaching this topic and, and also all these topics that we're going to hit in the next couple of weeks for around Advent, it's, we're almost asking people or inviting people to lean into this tension that is really hard to understand. And um, in that tension, there's some beauty there. It's yeah. like, how can Jesus be both God and man? And what does that mean for us practically? Um, it should give you more deeper fellowship and it should give you more deep joy. Um, what does it mean that he is both the lion and the lamb, the conqueror and the conquered? Uh, what, what does that mean? And what, how does that change our worship? So I, I would think of our people and like, we do, it is, it would be very easy to say, yeah, Jesus is God and man. Don't, you don't need to think about it anymore, man. There are so many more layers there that if you do spend time thinking about mm-hmm. it and digging into scripture and, and, Hey, digging up some historical stuff and spending some time pondering this, hopefully it will encourage a more deeper fellowship with people around you and a more, yeah, more deep joy for your own spiritual life. And increase your faith. And increase your faith. I mean, the bigger your God, the the greater your faith will be. And we've, we, we've got like, we, we, we get a glimpse into who Christ is and who God is, and this this should just encourage our faith as we live we live out the physicality of our lives here, right? We live live we live in a real world. Well, let me let me wrap this up with with a, one quick observation and maybe a final question. So when I when I came to Christ in like the seventies, like a long time ago, we threw these big old buttons. Like if you were like a real Christian, you wore a big old button that said I'm a Jesus person or something like that, or Jesus. And you had to get like a giant button, man. It had to be a big one. So. Um, so we were, in fact, people used to call us Jesus people, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So would you guys, how has, do you consider yourself Jesus people? Is that how you see yourselves now? You guys as our, as our spiritual leaders? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean Christian is. Right? Unhesitatingly, yes. And at the same time, I also like to consider myself a Trinitarian guy. Um, just because I think sometimes we forget that the Father and the Holy Spirit are are also equally God and and part of the plan of salvation and both before the cross and now. So, yes, yes, a Jesus person, but also a, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Spirit person too. Man, we take it to the next level. I'm sorry, I just yep. yeah. I'm all about preaching Jesus and emphasizing the gospel and making things Christ centered. I do think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that, that like Jesus, Jesus, especially, say, Hey guys, uh, there's also my father in the spirit. So yeah, especially in Baptistic circles, yeah. um, or kind of reformed circles. The, the, the joke is that we believe in the father, son, and the Holy scriptures and <laughs> not the father, son, and the Holy spirit. Um, so yeah, I, that's, that's a good reminder, Adam. Is it, the, is it the Nicene creed, Matthew, where it says the Holy spirit who, uh, together with the Father and the Son is to be worshipped and glorified. Yeah. Is that the Nicene Creed or is that it? the Apostles' Creed? And I believe the in the Holy Creed. Ghost, the Lord and Giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. All right. Well, guys, thank you for this conversation today. This is great. I mean, we've we've we have done a deeper dive into who Jesus is. Just don't call Adam a Jesus guy. No, well, Copy that. call him a, a Trinitarian and guy. Father and the Holy Spirit guy. So, yeah. I appreciate you guys wrestling with these deeper issues. I appreciate you guys not, as our spiritual leaders, not wanting to just gloss over it. 
but not only a willingness to go deep, deep into this subject, but a, a joy in doing so. Yeah. Let's go forward. Well, once again, this is The Deeper Dive. If you want to check us out, you can get onto our website, which is Bethel.ch, and uh, check out our church and even find some ways that you can be involved. Oh, 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 oh,